listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. Hosted by high-stakes headhunter, author, and professional speaker, Scott Love. This is the Rainmaking Podcast, and my name is Scott Love, your host. Thanks for joining me today. What if there was an innovative idea that could help you to get the attention and even open up doors with prospective clients? We're going to talk about that today in my interview with Kevin Wheeler. Kevin has been advising professional services firms on all aspects of strategy, marketing, business development, and client relationship management and key account management for more than 30 years. He's got some innovative, no-nonsense ideas that I think are going to help you to get the attention of prospective clients. So make sure you listen to the show today more than once. Also, make sure that you connect with Kevin on his links on the show notes, both his website and also his LinkedIn link are provided. And then finally, our sponsor is Leopard Solutions. This show is sponsored by the business intelligence suite of Firmscape, powered by Leopard Solutions. Push ahead of the pack with the power of Leopard. As always, thanks for listening and thanks for making this show a priority. Hey, this is Scott Love. Thanks for joining me on the Rainmaking Podcast. Our guest today is Kevin Wheeler. And today we're talking about how to get new clients by finding a door opener. Kevin, thanks for joining me on the show today. It's a pleasure, Scott. It's always good to uh, talk to individuals who are like-minded like myself and uh, have a uh, an interest in business development and how we can help firms of all shapes and sizes and colors find new clients. Absolutely right. And that's what everybody wants. They want to get that new business out there. And I like some of the strategic and tactical concepts that you have that you've helped your clients with. And one of those is a door opener. And kind of help me get some definitions. What does that mean exactly? When you say a door opener, what does that mean? Well, that's that's basically having an opportunity to go in and talk to a decision maker at an organization that has a requirement for your firm's services. And I deal exclusively with uh, firms that are providing professional services. So mm-hmm. lawyers, accountants, management consultants, those sorts of individuals. and. You know, the best way that you can actually go about winning business is to be engaging with an organization and within that organization, a decision maker that is already warm to you. Uh, They know a bit about you. They know a bit about your organization Mm -hmm. and have some inkling as to what it is that you might be able to do to help them. And that's what I mean by having a door open. You're not going in cold. You're going in to approach somebody who is already receptive. That's great. Now, the biggest, the biggest, widest door that you can find open is an existing client because they're already instructing you, you're already doing work for them, or, or you and your colleagues are, and they should be receptive because they've been using you. Hopefully, they're, they're happy with what you've done, and therefore, you know, the lines of communication are open and you should be able to have a dialogue whenever you want. You should be able to pick the phone up to them uh, and have a chat. So that's that's the widest open door you can possibly have. And then a closed door is an organization that is completely unknown to you. You're unknown to them. And we're sort of in the realms of of, of cold calling, which I would never advocate for a professional services organization because it's just a really, really tough ask. And most most large firms have got a huge client base uh, usually, and they know lots of decision makers in those clients, and they have a wider network of 
of decision makers and referrers and intermediaries who they should be able to approach. So it always amazes me when instead of pushing at these doors that are already some way open, uh, they choose to go into the marketplace and target organizations completely cold. You know, right. what are they thinking? <laughs> why, why do you think most people, let me ask you this, why do you think that's where they're going to start? Why do you think a lot of organizations do just that? Uh, well, one of the problems you have is with professional services firms, a lot of them are still partnerships and partners guard their clients and they are sometimes loath to share them. So, even with colleagues? Even with colleagues, yeah. yeah. Um, because they often will look at the situation and say, well, hang on a minute, I might open up my client to one of my colleagues, but what's in it for me? You know, I... I don't want a situation where I, I open up my client to a colleague. And if my colleague doesn't do a very good job of impressing the client, you know, just, just quiz the pitch for me. So, you know, it's, it's a bit risky. So it's better off if I don't introduce my colleagues. In fact, I've known partners to introduce partners from other firms rather than their own colleagues, which is bizarre. Right. <laughs> right. So, yes, that's, that's one of the reasons why people aren't necessarily looking to cross-sell and develop existing clients and go into the marketplace cold. And also there is, in some firms, a financial disincentive to do work for your colleagues' clients because the way they're remunerated, the originating partner, so the, the partner who originally bought that client in, gets all the credit for all the billings and all the work done for that for that client. So they may introduce a fellow partner in, but that fellow partner doesn't get any credit for the work that's done. They don't get any origination credit. So I have had situations where I've been coaching individuals and you know they've they've gone off to target completely cold organizations to try and bring them on board. So they then become the originating partner for that client. You know, right. why should I waste time developing a client winning more business? Of a client of a fellow partner, if he or she is going to get all the origination credit, uh, you know, it's doing me no favors whatsoever. And that's just a, a bizarre byproduct of the crazy remuneration systems that you find in some of these firms. It, you know, you just wouldn't believe it, but it does happen. And that's uh, one thing I've heard firsthand from people I talk to about why they want to leave and go to a different firm is the firm's compensation structure doesn't incentivize that collaboration. Well, let's say you have someone that you're working with that's in a firm where they do reward that. They do reward that sharing of work in some sort of way. Let's say you want to help them find some possible open doors. What are the things that you're telling them? Imagine you have a client or things that I know you've done with some of your clients in the past. What are some things that you've, you've helped them to do to start opening up doors and build connections with prospects? Oh, well, the most obvious thing is to start sharing client intelligence internally. If you are working with a client and it's almost certainly going to be the case that you are probably providing quite a narrow area of expertise, you're delivering a very narrow service to that client, uh, you and your immediate team members. But most clients have a requirement that goes beyond that, is quite broad. But you'll have, as a result of you know working uh, it may well be that let's say let's say for instance that you're a employment lawyer working with a large corporation and you are working for the HR director. Mm -hmm. The area that you're delivering advice, legal advice, is quite narrow. It's all around HR and employment issues. 
But as a result of knowing the director of HR, knowing that organization, you've got insights into that wider organization and you have an opportunity to leverage off that relationship with the HR director. And you've probably got a relationship with the in-house counsel, general counsel as well. You can leverage those relationships to bring your colleagues in to get referrals to other key decision makers within that organization, you know, the chief executive, the director is responsible for M&A activity, et cetera. And therefore, when you're sitting down with your colleagues, thinking about how you develop that client relationship, what you're having to do is bring to the table all of that client intelligence that you've gleaned from working for that client for a long period of time and probably align that with some, you know, other research, desk-based research that you've done that looks at that client organization in the context of their industry. What do we know about this organization in terms of where it's going, what, what its future plans are, what some of the issues are it's facing, set against a broader understanding of the industry and, and what's happening in that industry. And you know, you only need to get a few senior people from the firm to sit down and start to work through all this research to understand where the best opportunities might be to start offering other new services to that client, services that they may be purchasing from another firm. So the objective then is to displace that other firm and get some of that work for your firm. Or it may well be that it's a new area where you can deliver work, deliver advice that's completely new. They're not using an advisor at the moment, but because you know what their future plans are, you can preempt what they need and go to them and proactively say, we see that you're expanding your business in China. We've got an office out in, uh, in, in Shanghai. I think we're ideally positioned to help give you some help and to hold your hands when you make that move strategically with your organization. Right. And of course, the final bit, which is always the missing piece that I find in firms, if you're actually acting for these, uh, this client, you're already delivering services, then you should be making sure that you are commissioning some independent research, some independent feedback from that client, which enables you to assess how they regard you and your firm in terms of the work that you're already doing. Well, that's kind of risky, don't you think? What if they say bad things? Oh, well, that's great because you need to know that because you want to address those issues because the worst thing you can do is stick your head in the sand and pretend that there's not a problem. So, um, so let me ask you this then. Let me kind of talk about this. And then I wanted to get to some of the other things hmm. about how do you build that connection? How do you find or kind of reverse engineer a door opener? But tell me about this. How would you get to that point with the client where you're getting feedback? What process would you follow? Would, you, would it be verbally? Do you have a, a blind survey that they would respond to? What have you seen works within professional services firms? It's very easy. You just you just go and ask the client a whole series of questions, and you know they will provide the answers. Clients are very happy to give feedback. I do a lot of work on behalf of firms who engage me to go and talk to their clients, and it's very, very, very rarely that you find a client who doesn't want to actually provide some feedback. You know, most of these organisations will be conducting feedback amongst their own customers anyway. So they understand the concept of understanding what the customer thinks because, you know, a happy customer is a repeat customer, is a customer who gives your company referrals. And it's the same with a firm. Um, you need to know what the client thinks of the service you're providing. 
And if they have some, some issues, uh, then you need to know what they are so you can go and correct them. What you don't want to do is leave an issue festering to the point where the client becomes so unhappy that nothing's being done about it, that they decide that they're going to walk and take their business to another firm. Have you seen that happen with some of your clients? Uh, loads of clients. Yeah. And a lot of professional service firms are very loath to actually go and conduct client feedback. Right. A lot of partnerships, I come across a lot of partners who think they understand the client. They know what the client thinks of what they're doing. They tell me that uh, they know the client so well, if the client had an issue, the client would come forward and tell them what the problem was and they'd do something about it. And in some cases, that is that is true. But in the vast majority of client uh, firm relationships, uh, that's not the case. Clients don't automatically proffer feedback. And sometimes it's not... If, they, if there's a major mistake that's been made by the firm, uh, then it's probably terminal for the relationship. But in a lot of cases, it's a whole series of rather small uh, service indiscretions that over a period of time add up to the client becoming a bit disgruntled and thinking, well, I think I can probably go elsewhere and get a better service. You know, plenty of firms out there in the marketplace would like to have my business. Why don't we, why don't we have, a, uh, have a tender? Why don't we put this out right. and see what other firms can do? And even some of the biggest professional services firms on the planet have very, very poor mechanisms for seeking feedback. And I won't name any firms for obvious <laughs> reasons, but I've, I, you know, I go into a lot of firms and it always staggers me that some of the biggest firms are the worst when it comes to actually getting formal feedback. That's um, interesting, Kevin. Let me ask you this, kind of looking at how do we establish those connections with door openers? You gave me an example. You talked about some sort of a product or an offering as a way to start a dialogue with a prospective client. Tell me about that. And what have you seen work well for some of the, the professional services people that you've worked with? Okay, there are, there are many different ways that you can, can leave that door open. And as I said right at the outset, what you want to be doing is working on the door that's slightly ajar. So there's, mm -hmm. there's an existing relationship there. You know them, they know you a little bit. What you're trying to do is to try to open that up to a point where the client becomes comfortable with you, trusts you and your colleagues and your firm to the point where initially they're probably going to give you a small piece of work just to, just to try you out. Right. It's unusual to find organizations that don't have a roster of advisors. And therefore, if you're trying to, to open that organization up as a major client, then you're going to have to do quite a lot of displacement of existing mm -hmm. advisors. Mm -hmm. So you're going to want to find a way in uh, that gives you an opportunity to do some initially small piece of work to impress on the client what it is that you can do. We can all talk a good good game uh, in terms of, of, of what we could do, but the real acid test is being given an opportunity to actually do a piece of work and the client mm -hmm. can then see what's it like to work with these guys. Do they deliver what they promise? Are they as good as they say they are? So what you're trying to do is, is, is open up a bit of work. And you know, the key is to really research that organization and, and, and try and find out what the issues are mm -hmm. and then present them with a proposition that says, okay, we see you've got an issue around X, Y, and Z. It's something we're expert in. Can we help you with that? Uh, another thing that's quite, quite common to find is that certain advisory firms will go in and say, look, you know, we know your sector well. Uh, we know the issues that 
organizations like yours are facing. And what we'll offer to do is some sort of review, some sort of audit of your processes around a particular aspect of your business. And on the basis of that, we'll we'll present to you some areas where we think you could make your business stronger based on our expertise. And this, this review, this audit product becomes a way in. It's a way of opening that door up and saying to the client, give us a chance to just have a look at what you're doing. And then we will give you our assessment of how you might do things differently and better. That could be a way a provider could, what you mentioned, open a door with a cold prospect. Let's say that they're giving a presentation or talking on a panel at a trade association conference, and they mentioned that one of our clients started with an audit within this particular area. And if a decision maker says, yes, I want that, they reach out, that's your chance to really sell something, a small piece of business to at least start the relationship. Is that what yeah, you're and, talking about? Yeah. And, and historically, consultants have been very good at this. They'll go in and they'll do an initial review, initial piece of work, and they'll hope to sow a seed you know, with the decision maker or the decision makers that they have some insights that might be valuable. Um, I've seen it work in, in other areas as well. The one thing that, that is always a, a sort of bone of contention is, well, do you go in and do this review for free or do you do this, do this and get paid for it? Because ideally, you'd like to have a situation where you got paid to do the review. And I, I did some work once with a, a US law firm with an office in London, and they decided to grow that office by recruiting lateral hire partners in. And this one particular individual came to the firm and the lawyer was involved in an area of regulatory law. They had previously worked at the regulators, so they'd, they'd sat on the other side. So they'd, they'd regulated uh, or were responsible for regulating uh, organizations in this particular area. Uh, so this guy jumped ship and, and come to work for a, for a US law firm in London. And they were struggling to really make inroads into the firm's client base. And he was sent to me for coaching because obviously as a lateral hire partner, the firm had made a big investment in bringing this individual across and wanted some sort of return from that investment and they weren't getting one. So this individual needed to improve his business development. And so we did a lot around ensuring that he was doing more follow-up. So he was talking at lots of conferences around the world coming away with lots of business cards, but he wasn't necessarily following things up. So we did a bit of work with that. But the main thing that that I did with this guy was to say, you need to be able to offer these organizations something beyond what you normally do, which is come in uh, when these organizations get investigated by the regulator and help them handle that investigation. You could wait a long time before the next investigation came round, And in the meantime, you, you'd go hungry. You wouldn't generate enough billings to keep the firm happy. Mm-hmm. So why don't we put together some sort of audit product uh, mm-hmm. whereby you offer companies a chance to come in with a couple of your colleagues and over a couple of days review their practices in relation to that area of regulatory law and produce for them a short report at the end of that review, which highlights things that they could do better to reinforce their business processes. Because one of the the key ways to defend yourself if you are subject to an investigation, in this case by this regulator, is to, to say, look, you know, we did everything we could 
to make sure we had robust business practices in place. But because one of our employees was a bad apple and went off and did something, there's nothing we could have done uh, to have stopped that. You know, rogue employees, bad apples crop up all over the place. But we had we had very, very strong business processes. We just uh, were unfortunate. We were unlucky that this this one bad apple meant that that we we weren't complying as we should have done. And that meant that he and his colleagues were able to go into organizations, do a review that took a couple of days, submit a report, uh, generate a couple of days worth of, of billions for a couple of lawyers. So, you know, we're talking the low tens of thousands of, of dollars of fees, but it then put them in pole position if at some later date that organization was investigated by the regulator, because at that point, involvement in a big investigation was likely to lead to fees, you know, in excess of six figures. But by doing the review, by doing the audit, it put the lawyers in a, in a good position uh, to be first on the, the phone call if an investigation was actually instigated by the regulator. That's a great so idea, that, Kevin. Yeah, so that, that simple audit product gives something that this particular individual could then take to companies and say, you know, I've got vast experience in this area. I used to work from the regulator. I know how it works at their end. Let me just review your, your business processes to see that they're as watertight as they, they can be. It won't cost you very much. You know, let's take it forward on that basis. And That's great. it meant And it meant that he got pieces of work, you know, that kept him reasonably busy. And it meant that he was then, you know, front of the queue of lawyers who were lining up around the block when an investigation was initiated by the regulator, if an investigation was ever initiated. So have you seen any of your clients where they followed that technique and they've actually seen the hefty paydays? Has it really paid off for them when they've used that sort of technique? That technique was, was specific for an individual who's involved in an area of regulatory law. I wouldn't recommend it for everyone, but I have seen consultants use the technique as well. Uh, go in and carry out a review. Often they'll do that gratis and they'll lose the cost as part of their their marketing and business development. But there are other things that you can do to open doors with individuals. And it's all about impressing on those individuals, those decision makers, that you have the capability to actually give advice that adds some value. Mm. And we're into the whole realm of, of good quality content marketing where you know a regular stream of industry insights put together by the advisor packaged up thought leadership reports commissioned research anything that you can keep pushing across a decision maker's desk which helps to cement the understanding or build the understanding that they have that you're somebody who's interested in them knows their industry knows their organization and is keen to help you have to be proactive. And a lot of, of advisors are just very reactive. And I would single out the lawyers as, as probably being the most reactive and the least proactive. Right, um, right. <laughs> they sit there, they sit there dealing with the files that they've currently got on their desks and dealing with the, the instructions that their current clients are giving them. And they tend not to be very proactive. So they wait for the client to ring them rather than going proactive to the client and saying, look, there's an issue here. It's coming down the track towards you. The law is changing in a particular way. It's going to have consequences for the way your company operates. We can help you to address this issue and get in early and put things right so that you benefit from the opportunities or you minimize the threat and the risk. 
So if you could synthesize this and maybe boil it down to three different action steps that people can take to get started and how they can start finding or creating a door opener, what would those three action steps be? Uh, The first thing is to start with your existing clients. So, you know, make sure that in your firm, you've got a key client program where you sat down and you've identified which are your most important clients, both because they generate a lot of fees and profits today, but also don't forget the emerging clients that are coming up who have potential to grow to be much bigger. So always start with your existing clients. You know, the doors are are wide open. Um, If you have in place a process whereby you bring together the client relationship partner, the partner who is accountable to the firm for managing that overall relationship, and a lot of firms haven't even appointed these, the relevant advisors who work in the team advising the client and sit down and just synthesize all the intelligence you have on that client, your understanding of the industry, you know, put together a proper plan and then go out and execute it. That is the easiest way for generating right. new business. That's the first thing I do. What's the second thing? The, the second, second thing, thing, the second thing I do is I would focus my marketing effort on what we call thought leadership. So building regular pieces of thought leadership, usually reports, if it's based on commissioned research, even better, where you've gone into the marketplace and you've talked to key decision makers, your existing clients, non-clients, intermediaries, uh, influencers about a particular issue that's happening in the industry, package that all up, overlay on that research your own insights and what it means and produce these pieces of research and push those out to your market on a regular basis. And that's the best way of uh, demonstrating that you are, that you are a player in this sector and you know what you're talking about. That is the second, the second thing that I would do. And what would be the third thing, the third step? I knew you were going to ask me that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you need a third thing? I often say to people, if if you're doing all those things, then you're, you're doing, Pretty much. What I, you I think if people no, I've got a, I, have, I have got a third thing. The okay, third what's thing that? is what's the that? third thing is I would uh, look to upskill my professional advisors and make them understand what the whole sales process involves. Because you know they're great at being a lawyer, they're great at being a management consultant, they're great at being an accountant, but usually they're not great at selling. Right. And the whole sales process is one that they need to learn. You know. What are the basic stages of, of the sales process? You know, how long does it take? The number of people that that want to achieve results in days and weeks. And I tell them, no, 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 no. Relationship building takes months and years. You know, it takes a long time from the instigation of a relationship, i.e., you, you meet somebody, to them actually giving you instructions or giving you work. It is a long, long drawn-out process. And you will fail more times than you succeed. And you've got to be patient. And the number of people who I see on day one, they start with a list of 10 organizations they're going to go and sell to. And you know, a few weeks later, they've worked their way through the list and they've got nowhere. So they throw that list of 10 away and they start with another list. And they just never get anywhere because <laughs> they just do not have the patience and the, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? They don't have the... Um, the sticking ability, they don't, they don't stick with it. You know, they just don't recognize it. It takes a long, long time. You know, I've, I've had, I've had clients that I've hauled in 10 years down the line. Sometimes it does take that long. 
And also it's a numbers game. You know, the number of people that I've, I've coached who tell me they got one or two prospects that they're pursuing. Well, <laughs> that's, it's, it's not going to work like that. You know, <laughs> you, you need a much larger number. You don't want too many because otherwise you'll spread yourself too thinly, but you certainly do need to be working on, you know, a dozen plus, you know, just having one or two is going to get you right. nowhere. Well, Kevin, you've shared with us a wealth of information in a short period of time. You've given us a lot of ideas to think about, to really process, understand, and then to, to start implementing in terms of action steps. And I appreciate that. And what I want you to do now is tell us about the offerings that you have. What do you do and how can you help the people that are listening to our show right now? Well, what I do is, is, is effectively support what I've just been talking about. You know, I started in this game many, many, many years ago, over 30 years ago. And my very first job working for one of the, it was big eight accountants then, it's now four, <laughs> was, was managing their key client program. And I majored on that pretty much ever since, both in-house as a marketing director and now as a consultant. And it's still, would you believe it, 30 odd years down the track, an area of significant weakness for, for most professional services firms. They just don't get their act together in terms of having a proper managed process for developing their key clients. And I work with firms, I work with individual client relationship partners and their teams. I coach them. Uh, I help them better understand what it is their clients want, put together a client service plan and help them implement that. And also as part of my consultancy offering, we do a lot of research going into clients, talking to them about their advisors, getting feedback, and then using that feedback as part of the process of, of coaching the client teams to better understand what they need to be doing. So that's mainly what I do. I also coach individuals. So, you know, there's the coaching context around the client team and how we take them forward as a team, how we coach them as a team, uh, but also how we coach individuals uh, so that they individually become more effective for business development. And, you know, there's still a lot of work to do, you know, 30 odd years since I started. <laughs> right. Well, Kevin, thank you for being on the show. We're going to put all of your contact information and links on our show notes so people will be able to reach out to you directly. Thank you for being here today. We're going to have you back on the show and I wish you all the best this new year. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you very much, Scott. Thank you for listening to the Rainmaking Podcast. For more information about our recruiting services for international law firms, visit our website at attorneysearchgroup.com. To inquire about having Scott speak at your next convention, conference, sales meeting, or executive retreat, visit therainmakingpodcast.com.